Hello and welcome to another fantastic episode of Tasting Anarchy. Merry post-Christmas for all you Christmas people out there. Uh, I'm your host, Jacob Lindsay, and as always, I'm joined by... Mason Joseph. And uh, this week, I don't think we got to it last week. I had a wine last week, but uh, I figured we would just go ahead and do reviews right away. Um, I also had a wine last week. Um, yeah, and I don't think I don't think we reviewed them. Yeah, we we didn't talk about wine. I don't think we introduced ourselves. <laughs> yeah, think we just talked. So I figure um, I figure we'll go ahead and get straight yeah. to the reviews. You want to do yours first, or you want me to do mine? Uh, so here's the thing. Last week I was actually drinking a very small glass of the wine. Okay. Um, so you know it was um, I don't even remember. Uh, but unrelated to that wine. This week, um, so like we like we were in the grocery store like a like a week ago, and like we turned the corner and like there's a big section and it's got duck in it, and so they've got Oof. like you know prepackaged duck. So yeah. like my wife really likes duck, and I was like, you know, I could smoke one of these for uh, New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve, and she's like, okay, let's do that. So we get a duck. So on Christmas Eve, we're going to the grocery store because we go to the grocery store generally on Saturday, Saturday being Christmas. Uh, clearly, we're not going to do uh, we're not going to do a uh, grocery store on Christmas because it's not right. open, most likely. So she tells me, hey, they've got standing rib roast for like six ninety nine a pound. So I was like, OK, let's do that for Christmas. So we get the standing rib roast. So I smoke the duck and I, you know, do all that stuff. But as we're walking through the grocery store, she's like, hey, do you want to get a red wine for the standing rib roast? I was like, yes, yes, I do. So, you know, like they reconfigured my Kroger a while ago and we stopped going for a while because it was just, mm -hmm. it didn't make sense. And it still doesn't really make sense. Like they've got like the craft beer, which has been like super shortened. And then it's just like, generic like seltzer and other nonsense like making like a like one line of an l and then they've got okay. like another like all the domestic beer making the other line of an l and like they have a good wine they used to have a good wine selection and i don't it's not that they have a bad wine selection now i just don't really understand its layout okay. um so i'm looking around for a wine and i'm like okay so it's a standing rib roast which is prime rib so it's gonna be fatty so like i want something kind of aggressive and then they've got like the uh wood case and the wood case is kind of where they showcase stuff and whatever so over there they actually had a grenache which is like okay. the french version of grenache i think right so i got that and we opened it tonight and you know i did the right thing like i opened it poured the glasses <sighs> at least an hour before dinner or maybe not an hour, but like 45 minutes before dinner. And like, you know, you and I are like, I really like Grenache. Um, I find it really aggressive, especially like new world stuff. Yeah. And this was like, not bad, but it was pretty bland by comparison. And it was like only like a $10 bottle of French uh, wine. So, you know, it's not, not super high end or anything like that. And I'm sure, like it's probably like not like the bottom of the barrel, like they're selling me swill or something like that, but it's just not as high end as it could have been. And, mm -hmm. you know, like for some 
new world wine, that's fine. But sometimes with like French wine, it's kind of like, yeah, there's a lot of import tariffs and all, you know, all that other duty crap to get out of France. So was there anything to write home about? I don't have the name written down. I'll have like a better review next week. Um, I really was just kind of like going like, oh, like I had a varietal that, you know, I knew wasn't necessarily like a Spanish only one and finally had a French version of it. And I was like, okay, this is different. Not like it's neat to see the difference in the grape, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's one that I like Grenache, uh, for the listeners is a Spanish, a Spanish grape, but they also grow it in Southern France. And I think it, Maybe you're pronouncing it correct, but I think it's Grenache in Southern French. So it's uh, that makes a G- lot more sense. Yeah, it's G uh, G. I had to look it up because I don't know how to spell anything. It's G R E N A C H E. So yes. maybe it would be Grenache, Grenache, Grenache. But then in I Spanish, think Grenache, it's Grenache. Like, yeah, it could be Grenache. The, yeah, like hard A at the end. Yeah, we need your wife because on Wiki they have those like weird letters that tell you how to pronounce it. But yes. it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, <laughs> if that, it if also, that made kinda, any sense to either of us, we would, you know, be much further along in our lives. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's it's grown in a lot of different places, um, and it goes by a lot of different names. And uh, I like it a lot. It's funny that that that's what you picked because last week's I had a Grenache, a Spanish oh, Grenache, to oh. review, which is now Victoria's. Uh, favorite because it is it's bold and fruity mm-hmm. um, and it was just kind of like some flavors that she was not used to and mm-hmm. was like oh wow this is a little bit different so now she kind of knows this is another one that she likes and so uh, for Christmas we got another bottle of that from 2018 and then the same one from 2019 to do a comparison so mm-hmm. maybe I'll have some reviews of that later on because and then I also got a Zweitgelt and um, to, for her to try, because I thought that might be something that would be interesting for her, because those tend to be very fruity as well. And um, a Beaujolais, which are very jammy, typically. The one that we got was was jammy, but it was a little spicier than I think she liked. So um, we didn't go bet with that. But then I did find, because uh, she does like cabs a lot, uh, something that is, for the price, extremely good, I thought. It is... Uh, it's uh, called Cross Fork Creek Cabernet Sauvignon. It's 2018. Uh, it's from uh, the it's from the Yakima Valley, which we've done some stuff from there, but I don't remember specifically what we've done from there. It was 14% ABV. Um, this I thought was very good. It is very fruity, but it also had a lot of that kind of leather taste to it, um, like tobacco leather, that kind of sort yeah. of. Uh, no, I, I know exactly. Yeah, 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 and. Uh, you know, it says online that it was it had like blueberry flavor. I don't agree. I would say that it's more plummy than anything. Uh, maybe maybe black cherry, uh, but very fruity. And the tannins were strong, but they were very smooth tannins. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was it was that that kind of more I guess silkier mouthfeel for that uh, you don't really get always with the you know the the caps that you and I like a lot from like Lodi where they're just much more grippy. This was yeah. a lot more, I would say, refined might be a good way to put it. Uh, 22 bucks at Total Wine. It was on sale. Really a great find, I think. Um, I may go back and get some more bottles of it because it is also, you know how Total Wine does that, um, 
their winery direct or whatever it's called, where if you buy six, you get 10% off or something like that. Uh, like I am familiar because you have told me, but I have never done it. So, oh, okay. Yeah. I might go back and get, I might go back and get six bottles of this one just to kind of have on hand. Cause I thought it was very good and it would be a good one to just kind of keep around. Although the, the big problem is that when I buy six bottles of wine and just kind of put and put them up, quote unquote, they end up getting drunk within like two weeks. So I don't know that it's yeah. really worth doing it that way. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's, really good that's the thing is like, you know, it's um, like, I forget like where I heard it, but it's like somebody's law where it's like, you know, if you give a project a month, it'll take a month. Mm-hmm. So like, like it's basically like a, a, events and activities will take as much time as you assign to them. Yeah. So it's kind of like with me, like I'll have a bottle of wine in the house because if I have more than one bottle of wine, like I'll be sipping on a glass of wine and go like, well, you could always just have a bottle, a glass of that. Right. And then, you know, you're like four glasses in going like, what am I doing? <laughs> it's right. like, you know, Tuesday and you're like, Oh, good. Yeah, God. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind yeah. of like my thing recently is, um, you know, just general stress of the holiday season based on my job and some other right. things that I'm working on that, uh, hopefully in the spring I'll have some great news about or whatever. Um, but you know, just kind of like, okay, these are the things I should do, like get up and exercise. And then like, you know, you wake up early and like, well, I don't know about you, but like, you know me, like I, I'll wake up early, especially uh-huh. like in the spring, in the summer, like I'll wake up at like four 30 cause it's bright outside. And right. now like I'm having a little harder time cause it's dark. So like I'm kind of right. sleeping till it's dark, but that kind of thing where it's like, yeah, the amount of alcohol I have in the house is the amount of alcohol that I will consume. So it's yeah. kind of that like needing to go, Hey, I have a bottle of wine and I'm not going to go to total wine or the grocery store or something like that for a week. So I have right. a bottle of wine. And if I have a drink it all in one night, okay, I'm <laughs> might not be a great morning. <laughs> But that's what I did as opposed to, oh, yeah, you know, I had a glass, glass and half. But like, that's kind of the thing is like, I'm trying to get to the point where like, I just don't have anything in the evenings Mm because I just don't need the extra calories because, you know, the job I work, like people send in treats and stuff like that. So it's not like I don't have an excess of calories and Mm -hmm. half a glass of wine or a glass, glass and a half of wine isn't really relaxing me. It's just going Hey, you should have more wine. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd never yeah. like personally. I'm I'm not in a uh, emotional mental state, as the woke would say, to buy six bottles of wine. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I I mean that's and I kind of I, I wouldn't say I do the same thing, but I do tend to overconsume if it's available. So yeah, and that's the thing is like you know since you work from home, it's it's not like you can just drink whenever you want, but like, right. You could conceivably have half a glass with lunch and, yeah. and I do, and I, I frequently yeah. do. So, yeah. So, uh, or, or I have a beer or, you know, a light beer or something like that with lunch. And yeah. And that's the uh, thing is like, you also drink more water, tea, milk yeah. or whatever than anybody else I know. So like, okay, you have that. So it, it, it kind of works out from there. That, that's true. Yeah. Cause I, I do drink about, four gallons of cold brew coffee every week and 
once I've had my limit of cold brew coffee, I usually have black tea and then switch to water in the afternoon. So I, it's not, yeah, I do drink, I just drink tons of liquid. So, yeah, I remember when you like were trying to get into coffee and like we're drinking like the bulletproof coffee. Oh yeah. That was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, it's not that I don't think it's good and it's not that I think it's bad. It's just, it's not something I particularly go after very often, but like, like the idea that you're drinking cold brew coffee to me is just so humorous given I know you was like a diet Dr. Pepper, a tea guy, not like really a coffee guy. Yeah. You know what? I still, still hot coffee is not my favorite. Uh, Yeah. In fact, really hot coffee unless it's got a lot of cream or butter or something like that in it i just don't really care for but we well victoria kind of got me off of putting cream or milk in my cold brew and now i just drink just plain old cold brew Mm -hmm. and uh with nothing in it and it's you, you know what whatever it is about the hot coffee is just so much more bitter than cold brew and um we've got we've got this big two gallon basically it's a big two gallon mason jar that has like a, a grate in it that well you put the grounds in and then you can just put it in there overnight and then you have two gallons of cold brew in the morning and i and i usually go through about two two of those a week about four gallons and it's good i don't know i just like it and it's uh and it you know i and that's kind of one of the things too is i, I just need flavor like I'm okay with plain water, but even when I have plain water, I kind of want like some lemon juice or something in it. Mm-hmm. Um, or like a, you know, even just a lemon slice, just something to give it a little bit of taste. Uh, but the, with the cold brew, I, I try to make it a little bit weaker than uh, probably is recommended by like the instructions on how to make cold brew or whatever, just because I know I'm going to drink a lot. I just want a little <laughs> bit of flavor in it. Yeah. So it's, it's usually, you know, pretty weak cold brew. And then, uh, well, if, if it's the coffee that I bought, it's usually pretty weak. So a lot of times I inherit coffee that Victoria didn't like, and I just make cold brew out of that. And, uh, and sometimes that's sort of hard to judge how strong you're making it because Mm -hmm. it's, you know, the coffee's different, but yeah. 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 I don't know. I'm, I just, I just drink a lot of fluids. Just I'm a fluid drinking person. And, and I have been ever since you've known me. Yeah. Like I, like I could not imagine you like I could see like from a like religious standpoint or like an a, a, a personal development standpoint, you doing like a dry fast or something like that. But mm-hmm. like just on your own, like a lot of times, like I'll get busy at work and I'll forget to drink any water or something for like that for a while. And then like, I'll drink like, you know, an entire 12 ounce glass of water and like kind of three drinks, like, yeah, just drink it down. And, but like, I remember like when you worked here, like the company, it's like, how, how do you drink this much? Like, I just like, don't remember to do it enough, but it's funny. Cause like, you know, you like, you're talking about the cold brew and like, you know, four gallons of it in a week. And like, I'm over here with the espresso machine going like, okay, gotta get it this hot. And like, this amount of like extraction and like, I really like the, like, I don't go for it anymore. Like the ultra bitter, like espresso blends. Like I, I get like regular coffee that because like espresso is a, like a preparation method and a roast style. Mm. 
So mm-hmm. like I generally don't get dark roast anymore, which a lot of espresso is and all that stuff. So it's funny because like I used to be like, oh, it's got to be bitter. And now I'm like, no, it doesn't. Because like that tastes like Starbucks and it tastes like burnt ass. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, like I, I drink it straight black. So though I did have uh, like the co- like like I sent you a picture of my daughter and Santa, right? Yeah, uh, so, yeah like, I think so. Yeah, that was at the my favorite coffee shop in Norfolk, uh, Coalescence. And um, like, they're just super sweet people. And I went in there the like the other day, and yeah, it was like a New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve. So like Christmas Eve, we like I went in and got like a quad espresso, my wife's thing, and then like a uh, no no treat for my daughter, but like the cookie that I got from them. Cause I usually get my daughter a treat from them. The cookie yeah. I got is what we use is the cookie from Santa our first Santa. Oh, so, that's nice. Yeah. Cause we, but we ended up having a bunch of treats anyway. So right. <laughs> we're lacking for choice. Um, so then, um, I went back in the day and then do you know what a Coronado is? Uh, I don't think so. So basically, uh, if you're if you're at a coffee shop, a lot of the times, like so, like a latte is like so. Most espresso machines, like an industrial scale, pull two shots of espresso at a time, and a shot being like one ounce each. So, like two ounces. So, like a, a latte is traditionally like say two ounces of uh, espresso, and then like way, 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 way back in the day, then it might be equal parts milk or cream or whatever is going to happen. Now okay. it's much more like, you know, kind of Starbucks style where it's like, here's a glass of milk with some coffee in it. Right. Okay. So our Coronado is more like equal parts, coffee, equal parts, uh, milk. So huh. at the coffee shop, it's like the two ounces of espresso and then two ounces of milk. So it's four ounces and it comes in like a little, almost like a highball glass, but it's, like, when you look at it, you're like, yeah, that's a coffee glass as opposed to like an uh, alcohol glass. But you yeah. could see somebody serving like uh, tall drinks in it or whatever. So when I go in, like they, like all their staff kind of know, like I'm like the only guy that orders a quad espresso <laughs> and it's just four shots of espresso. And like the newer people are the people who don't normally work the register, like, what cup do we put this in? I'm like the little one, the one that you normally put the two in the four fits in there. So they made me the other day, like basically a Coronado, which was four shots of espresso. And then the rest of the cup, which is, you know, maybe an ounce, ounce and a half topped up with milk. And like, they managed to do the, like, have you ever seen like the latte art where like they do like, like foam milk and they kind of like make a, a, a picture in it. Yeah, like a flower or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So like they yeah. did it. They ended up like managing to do a tulip in it, and it oh, was kind of cool. Fantastic. Yeah, it was fantastic. So huh. my uh, wife, um, you know, the, the the espresso machine we have has a grinder, has a steam wand, so we can froth milk. But like, I just drink espresso. So today I was like, okay, I'm going to make my own Coronado, and I've got these uh, glass yogurt jars that uh-huh. I repurpose as espresso glasses. Um, because one of the things with espresso is like, if you ever look at like a shot of espresso, like there's what they call the crema, which is that like creamy foam at the top, uh-huh. like that should be more incorporated into the espresso. So, okay. 
some people stir it, some people swirl it, but like there's glasses that they have, um, that have like ridges in the glass itself that make the swirling work better. And it's better to swirl them than to stir them with a spoon. According to this one guy who does a lot of like scientific testing on it as okay. I remember it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to use this yogurt glass. I'm going to put some hot cocoa powder in it and I'm going to do the Coronado thing. But instead of using the milk, like I knew I should have, I used the cream and it just tasted like ass. Oh man. <laughs> I was so disappointed. I was like, this is going to be so good. I'm going to, you know, like improve my skills. And like, I was like, I forgot. I really don't like cream. <laughs> <laughs> and the so espresso funny. was like the espresso pull wasn't good like i like there's the the brand that i get um uh, beans from for coffee like i keep trying to branch out into their other stuff and like they're the main roast that i get like i know it's exactly 18 at this grind setting at this pull time and like my machine will consistently pull like you put in 18 grams of coffee beans and then get 36 grams, double the amount extracted liquid out within around mm. 30 seconds. That's kind of the magic formula. Like whatever you put in, same amount out. If you're pulling a double shot, then about 30 seconds. If you're pulling a single, about 15. So like I know these are dialed, like normally dialed in, but like I keep mm-hmm. trying to, you know, be reasonable, try different things sure. in my horizons. And every time it's like, okay, I put in 17. I have the grind setting rate. Now I've got 40 ounces or 40 grams. Now I've got 17 and it's like, I didn't change anything. <laughs> what is happening with these beans? Whereas the other ones, it's just consistent. But I'm, And like the flavor is good, but it's, you know, like you're reading on the website and it's just like reading a bottle of wine where it's like, has blueberry notes. And you're like, I like blueberry has light leather taste. I like that. And then you get it and you're kind of like, well, it doesn't taste like that to me, but I see what they were (laughs) talking about. Right. right, Same thing with espresso. And so like, I keep getting suckered into buying something else and just going like, damn it. And then like when I go into the uh, coffee shop, like they know that while I don't come in every day, like I'm into coffee. And so like, when I'm like, because I drink straight espresso and I drink four ounces of it and they, so like, you know, and like a, just like a, any wine, like there can be mm-hmm. like a single, like single origin wine where it's like, it's only from this vineyard. Whereas Correct. like, yeah. you know, you've got blends and even if you don't have blends, it's like, Hey, it's the Mason and Jacob Russian river Valley Cabernet Sauv. And it's like, but from three of our different vineyards. Okay, right. we blended. Yeah, and, and sometimes they get it even more specific than that. It's it's sometimes it's like this section of this vineyard. Yeah. But like sometimes it's like just, you know, any of the properties they own. Right. Exactly. And coffee can be the same way where it's like single origin meaning like only from this like grower from for lack of a better term and then so like I also get like they have for espresso like especially people who are drinking just straight espresso, they have like single origin. And so mm-hmm. like the single origins are always like have unique flavors and stuff. So I'm always like, and I'll take it as the single origin. And they, you know, they kind of see it light up in their eyes, especially the uh, barista that's pulling. Cause like when you just like, I was complaining about the espresso, not kind of dialing in 
They've got to right. dial in the machine throughout the day because, like, the different humidity right. in the machine, like, all that stuff. And so, like, you know, they'll be like, they'll, they haven't done as much, but they definitely are like, well, what do you think of this? And it's like, oh, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, we're just trying to make sure it's dialed in. Cause I also, when I show up there, I show up when they open. <laughs> so it's like they oh, open right. at seven. Okay. And, you know, cause I've generally been up for an hour. I'm like, right, right there going, like, hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> <laughs> need that coffee well, yeah and i mean and, and you're usually on your way to work by then because you got to be at work at a particular time and your daughter oh, and i never go and all that yeah i never go before work actually like i only go oh, on no. saturdays yeah oh, really? the, okay. yeah because like i, I like, guess what, i guess that kind of makes sense well so it's one of those things where it's like com- commercialization like so this is kind of the thing that like drives me nuts about the liberty adjacent twitter so like uh-huh. Mike Cernovich, I, I don't think there's anybody who could say that isn't like, say somebody like Michael Malice, where it's like, they're a true anarchist. Like they don't like, you know, kind of like us where it's like, yeah, we may be more Liberty focused than Mike Cernovich, but like Mike Cernovich is pretty Liberty focused. Like, yeah. I would say, yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, I don't, I don't, I would say he's generally in our circles. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, he's liberty focused in like the idea of freeing yourself from like a boss or something like that. Yeah. Compared to the state, let's say, and and there's nothing wrong with that, but like, and then like Jack Posobiec, who's, you know, very right wing or very conservative, I guess would be a better way to describe it, but is liberty adjacent. And so it's like. Shit, I don't even remember where I was going with this. Huh. Lost your trade of thought. (laughs) (laughs) I did. I did. Um, hmm. Maybe it'll come to me. Probably not, but. (laughs) Okay. All right, well. Yeah. I've got a I've got a a thought exercise for you. Now I remember. Sorry. Oh, do you? Okay, go for Uh, it. Yeah. So, like, when you go into, like, a coffee shop, and like a true coffee shop, there's no guarantee how long that interaction is going to take. So like you go into Starbucks and there's like three people in line and there's like, say three baristas working. You generally know, yeah, you can be out within 10 minutes, but like going into this coffee shop, like if the machine's not dialed in and it's not producing the espresso the way they want, they will literally start your entire drink over again. And like they're testing and they're doing all this stuff like all the time. And it's like a community shop. So like somebody might be talking a lot. So like I can't really go before work because there's no guarantee. Like I'll get out in time. Right. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. That makes I sense. I only go on yeah. Saturdays when I've got, it's like my time to waste. Yeah. So, but like, yeah. that's kind of one of those things. Like people like are always complaining about like the, you know, shipping jobs to China and stuff like that. And like, you know, like a lot of Liberty adjacent people and it. It's not that I think like Cernovich is this way, but like a lot of people like, and I don't know necessarily like right to like criticize Pasobic this way, but it's like how many people seem to still harbor this idea that like somehow China's going to win. It's like, yeah, yeah, you know what? That's, that's one of those things that just, cause it comes up all the time on this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, Am I naive or are, have these people just totally bought into this propaganda that, that this is not a paper tiger? Yeah. And this is one of those things where like, 
I often see like somebody like Posobiec or somebody like uh, like Cernovich where it's kind of like the U.S. military is over here worrying about transgender snowflakes and here's what the Chinese military is doing. It's like, do, do you guys like, and maybe I've bought the, the, um, the Kool-Aid, but it's like, have you guys seen a Trident missile strike? you realize we have more nuclear weapons deployed in submarines than China has in their entire arsenal. Right. Right. Like even if half of them don't work, we have more than a, like they have a rough estimate of 200 hydrogen weapons. We have more than that deployed on submarines alone. And like the long term, like the deep strike bases, like that, you know, the whatever, like the ICBMs in like the Midwest, then the carrier launch attacks, like it's like, guys, oh, they've created a hypersonic missile. We can't even get our regular fucking bombs to work. Huh? Like, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a, there's a YouTube channel that was like, what if like one F 14 Tomcat, like in any configuration, went through a time portal and was available to fight the Japanese in like uh, Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. And it was basically like, they may be able to destroy at least two carriers and that's it. Cause mm-hmm. most of the, like half the munitions might not actually work. So you're mm-hmm. telling me like they're gonna somehow fire a hypersonic missile and hit like a carrier. Like, like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, and not that like we're, you know, so like, that's where I kind of think like, are we buying the U S propaganda where it's like, yeah, you really aren't going to like effectively fight the United States like toe to toe. Well, so so, so you might, might, might even before getting to the point about it being like, as far as like military power us is how, intertwine the economies are that they're not it's not a solid economy over there it's like yeah. it's it's a lot of it is is us propped up facade and if they didn't have the export market of the united states they would they would fall back to its pre uh pre 1970s level where they don't have anybody to sell to yeah like they don't they don't have the internal consumption and it's like right Russia's not making up that difference. No, no. Russia's GD- GDP is like is G- the Russian GDP is lower than the GDP of Manhattan. Yeah, it's like there's there's just there's no other major market. I mean, like Canada is a major consumer of Chinese product, but the population is smaller than California. Well, it's like so, you know the like what is it the entire population of Europe, which yeah half of which is at the like that the like consumption level of the Chinese approaches the U S population. Right. And like, even the poorest people in the United States are like disproportionately better off almost like statistically, like in a a level that is insane compared to China. But like, it's just so surprising. People are always like, well, do you know what's happening to the American heartland? It's like, yeah. 
were continuing to elect morons like AOC who were like, we got to do all these things to stop employers from doing this. And it's like, I can see where you're coming from. But if you would just remove what you've done, this isn't a problem anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah. I mean, there was that, I don't know if you watched it all where it was the, like AOC and the, the the squad basically giving like lectures in Congress about how much college debt they had. I mean, I heard and, like, say that again. I was going to say, if it involves, did you see, or did you watch? And it's anybody, but like Thomas Massey or like okay. Rand Paul doing something. Yeah. And even those two, I didn't watch it. Okay. Now, well, <laughs> I may have seen an article talking about it. Yeah. So like I'm familiar, but like that, like, and you know, I think this is one of those ways you're much better tied into the system at times. But I also think that's one of those ones where like, cause you, your level of frustration with the COVID stuff is so much higher than mine, mainly yeah. because I think, <laughs> and, like, and I don't have to deal with it ever out here. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it just, and, it just here tastes the crap out of me. But I, I think that's the thing is like, you know, when, like the big thing before you met your wife really was you bought a bicycle that you were going to bike around the entire country on. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And now that is fundamentally not doable. Right. And not from like a, I've got four kids or like I've lost a leg or my wife isn't interested in doing this, but she is interested in driving around the country. So we're just going to do that. And so it's like, we literally can't go to like half the country right now. Right. And there's no conceivable reason that we can't. It's not like like there's been like, you know, Yellowstone has erupted and it's like just a plague wasteland. It's right. like Yeah, yeah, there's oh. just a number of places where they're just like, no, you're you're not allowed to be here. Or yeah, fake pandemic. Yay. Right. Right, which I mean, I'm I'm optimistic that it's going to come to an end, but um but I've been optimistic for like the last year. I'm like, there's just no way that they can continue to do this. And somehow they are able to continue to do this. And I don't understand like who is, who's still, I know that I'm in like a little bit of a, like a Liberty bubble or whatever with my people and mostly like the Childerbergers and like the Liberty folks here in DFW. But like who is still going along with this? It just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, like if you just read non-filtered Reddit, it's like, yeah. like, yeah, I, they all believe it. Well, it, like, you know, it, it's that like, you know, and like, I don't mean to like throw this, like some sort of shade on a religion, but mm -hmm. like, you know, it, like, you know, from a, like Judaism perspective, like you can't eat like all these things. And it's like, why not? Like, you know, what, like, like, you know, I, I know people who like say, like, if you study the Talmud, it, like there's reasons behind it, but like yeah. a lot of it was, you know, stemmed back in the day from just that wasn't a safer form of food, but it's yeah. like, you know, how many people still talk about like pork being dangerous and it's like pork hasn't been dangerous in the United States forever. Right. Like our entire lifetime pork has been fine. Yeah. But like, you know, how many people are well, still like, you gotta really like cook pork. You're like, the, uh, the difference, no. <laughs> the, the, the thing that I think is odd about this, and and, and it is, I, I would say, yes, it is sort of a religious ideology. It's more like a crusader's ideology, though, because like 
at least with like kosher and halal and that sort of stuff, it's is I choose not to eat these things because it's in accordance with my religion. And if people were like, I truly believe in this COVID stuff and therefore I'm going to get vaccinated the for the 20th time and all that sort of stuff, but you do what you want to do, fine. But it, that's not that's just not the mindset. The mindset is this just like like you know how they always tell you to like to acknowledge other people's like experiences or whatever. Mm-hmm. I walk outside. There's nothing going on. Yeah. There's, there's not bodies stacked up in the streets. There's, there are sick people. Like I will say that, but like there, you know, the total wine that I go to now here in Arlington is across the street from a, uh, COVID, uh, testing slash vaccination center. Mm-hmm. And they always have it blocked off for like three blocks with all these different like cones to like, because I guess in their mind, there's still going to be people lined up to get tested and get vaccines. There hasn't been for months anybody in those lines. Every time I drive by it to go to the Total Wine, there's like three cars. Yeah. And it's like and it's probably people who are getting ready to travel somewhere where they require it. Yeah, and and that's the thing that like drives me nuts. It's like, you know, the uh again, the liberty adjacent sphere, like people are like complaining about the fact that the Biden administration said no to like free rapid tests for everybody or something like that. It's like we know those tests aren't accurate. Why are yeah. you even talking about this? You should be ridiculing the fact that somebody thought that would be a good idea. Right. And like and, what I was and the, the only reason they are testing too is because they want to stir shit up again because imagine everybody in the country gets a test. Everybody's like, all right, well, I'll take it just because it's free. It, you know, it gets mailed to them. And then all of a sudden you get, you know, 30% of the country, oh my God, I'm positive for COVID because they're, they all give false positives. And now you mm-hmm. now you actually have the narrative that everybody's showing up at the emergency room because oh my and there's actually a lot of statistical evidence about this too where when people test positive they immediately go to the emergency room whether or not they feel sick yeah and that's the thing is like you know if you were like say like a hardworking low education low you know practical intelligent person you have been told that this is extremely dangerous. And I could see yeah. you going to the place that you thought was not only going to help you, but also possibly stop you from hurting anyone else. And yeah. like, you know, that's the thing is like one of the things that like, so my good friend from when I was a kid, his sister's mother-in-law passed away in the spring from COVID and like ivermectin, monoclonal antibodies, all that stuff was known. And I have no idea if like she was even treated with that. And it's like the, you know, as like, because as you know, um, I forget like the, uh, the, was it McCullough on Joe Rogan? I forget his name. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Dr. McCullough. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, even if like half the stuff that he was talking about isn't exactly super super accurate like you know let's just say like because we didn't you know neither you or i went and chased down all the studies and all that stuff but no no, i have a feeling like he is being as accurate as he can be whether he is 100 correct or not you know and like and i'm i'm sure he would say this too is like the science may bear out that some of the things that he thought and said at the time weren't correct but as it stands you can't get it again so like my sister got it and, you know, she's fine. She's doing okay. Like, she's near the end of her 10-day. But, like, my mom's been going over and dropping stuff off. And I'm like, 
I had COVID. I can go in her house. It's not a problem. Like, I'm not going to get it again. Like, who cares? Like, why? No one asked me to, like, help out. It's like, I can't get it again. And, like, how many people who they have no idea of how to treat this and how many people have been told basically, like, the two two ways of treating this are go to the hospital or stay home and basically wait to die. Right. Like, not like, hey, if you haven't been taking vitamin D, you should start taking vitamin D at the bare minimum. Like, hey, do you normally consume foods rich in vitamin C? No, you should eat some vitamin C. <laughs> like, right. just things or, or you zinc, can do. You know, just very basic yeah. stuff. Like, you know, I can't remember who it was that was uh, talking about this, where like, there's just like things that, again, I'm not a scientist. I just have, I just have zero concern about this because I believe my lying eyes, I guess. <laughs> but well, like, it, the, because I, I the, go outside and I, and like the world is not insane. But there yeah. was a guy who was uh, talking about it where he was like, he got sick and he said, he said, you know, he had some of the symptoms, so he didn't feel well, but he wasn't you know terribly sick. And he was like, you know what? I should at least go see my doctor. So he called his doctor and his doctor said, I can't see you because um, you haven't been tested. And he's like, but I'm sick. He goes, yeah, you got to go get tested to make sure that you have it. And if you have it, then I can see you. And he goes, uh, okay. So I guess he, so he orders, you know, a one day delivery or whatever, one of those rapid tests, takes a test, comes up positive, calls the doctor and he goes, okay. Uh, you know, I tested positive. The doctor goes, oh, what test do you take? And he goes, I took this, uh, rapid test from Walmart or whatever. And the doctor goes, oh, I can't accept that. You have to go to a testing center. And he's like, what do I need? To-? He's like, I'm not taking another test. Just tell me what to do. Like, I don't feel well. I'm sick write me a prescription or something that would be the standard care. And the doctor goes, Oh, well, there's no really standard care. Just take some vitamin D, take some zinc, some vitamin C, maybe some NyQuil and go to bed. And if you start, if you can't breathe, then you need to go to the emergency room. Yeah. How is, how is this, how is this the, like, how is this in, this is, I, I, I'm so flabbergasted by that being the response from primary care physicians that like, how on earth, this has never been this. Like well, my entire are, life, it's never been this. Well, you're let, ready for me to blow your mind. Yeah, you can. You can this blow has been 100 the response. Think about what the response of getting the flu was in the 90s. Think about what the response of getting a cold was in the 90s. I don't know about well, the 80s because, but I was able yeah. to go to the doctor. Well, no, no, no. There, there's that's true to a point. Some doctors wouldn't let you come in, especially in a bad flu season, and especially like. Uh, you know, your for, former primary care physician and mine, whose yeah. main prime focus of the practice is old people. Oh, Generally, it is? I didn't you, know that. Well, I mean, like if you like whenever I go in there, it's all old people. Like oh. I am the youngest person by like twenty plus years. But I guess I, I guess I never really noticed. Well, also, you know, I usually go like before work, so maybe it's just the timing. Oh, that so, could be yeah. But like so that's the thing is like this has been the primary care recommendation for coronal style viruses forever. Get rest, get those things, but like, you know, take some zinc, take some vitamin D, take some like vitamin C, all that stuff. It's like, yeah, you should have been doing that this entire time. Like, right. There's no, like, you know, that's kind of the thing is like, you know, you know, and what I, I, you know, and I learned this from Nate and I've been doing this for years and we, sw- we actually switched the product, but, uh, 
whenever Nate or I would get like a sniffle, mm-hmm. we would take air. We would just go take airborne. Yeah. And it, you know, it's, I, I wouldn't say airborne is necessarily a hundred percent effective or whatever, but now whenever Victoria or I get the sniffles, we take Zycam. Cause it's like, it's not going to hurt you. It's just vitamins and stuff. You know, you take it, yeah. you t- you know, you take it three or four times a day or whatever. I don't remember what the recommended dose is. She always does it for me, but, uh, you know, you, you take it and, you know, usually, I mean, I haven't been sick in years, so it kind of works. So, but that's the thing is like, you know, especially for you, you have like a strong psychosomatic response. Yeah, that's true. I'm taking this. So therefore I'm not sick anymore or I'm going to be better. And then you are a relatively fit person. Yeah. So like, you know, most of this stuff isn't going to be a problem. So like the issue is we have been treating like coronavirus, just like if, if it had been Omicron the entire time, it's like, okay, Hey doc, you remember that my, uh, I have the underlying symptoms of being 400 pounds, right? These things I, you know, like I need the like kitchen sink. It's like, Oh wait, you're 180 pound, six foot two Marine. Yeah. You're going to be okay. Just don't be an idiot. Yeah. Don't drink. Yeah. Get some rest. You know, don't, don't drink, don't smoke. Don't do any tobacco products. Zinc, you know, vitamin D, vitamin C, try to quarantine because it is, you know, highly transmissible to a point and don't be an asshole, <laughs> you know, right. like don't get stressed, breathe, be normal. You'll be fine. Like I had it. And my wife like says like, you know, now, and like, I don't think she's changing her mind, but like that I was pretty sick, but like I really screwed up and got really dehydrated one of the days. Oh and, yeah. You know, like this is one of those things that's like super shocking to me. Cause like as a kid, I don't remember drinking a lot of, lot of water. I don't remember drinking like a lot of anything. I know I had soda more frequently than I should have. Um, but like, I don't remember drinking like a whole boatload of water all the time. Um, I just don't remember drinking anything. And so like, it always surprises me. Like when people are like, you know, like my, when my dad's mom passed away, she fell and basically like she had fallen several times before. And then it was just like a straight decline from there. Like yeah. she fell and was like, basically kind of like everybody was like, yeah, that's it. And I was like, wait, 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 this is like the fourth time grandma's fallen. What are you talking about? And they're like, no, this one was bad. And I'm like, I understand, but she lives in a care facility and like they were there within minutes. Like they were, you know, no negligence at all. Right. And they're yeah. like, yeah, but like, you know, when you get old and you fall, it's like super dangerous. And I'm like, okay, I don't biologically understand that. And now I do like, I've learned a lot more about it, but it's like the idea that like, if you get dehydrated when you're sick, it is so bad for you. And I got dehydrated when I got COVID like through my own mismanagement, not like I was that sick, but like through my own mismanagement and that made it so much worse. And it took so much longer to feel better because of that. And like, basically I was just like chugging Pedialyte for the next four days. But like, had I not gotten dehydrated, I think it would have been, you know, not great, but like way easier. But like I got dehydrated because I was just being an idiot. And like, I think I had like a sip of water and then half a diet Dr. Pepper from the grocery store. And that was it 
for like the day. And I was just like, I'm going to die. <laughs> like this yeah. is such a choice. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that is, you know, that is, that is a, uh, a pretty, and you know, you and I just on a more wine focused, I guess, anecdote is like when we would go out heavily drinking when we were mm-hmm. younger, if we were drinking water with it, no problem. Yeah. No, not a bad hangover or anything the next day, but the days when, for whatever reason we were, well, usually it was like, if we were not drinking at Kelly's, if we were drinking at like somebody's backyard or something like that, and we weren't drinking mm-hmm. a bunch of water in between the next day felt like shit. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, you know, it's kind of the Ethan Suplee thing where he was like, you know, when he was like 500 pounds, he's like, yeah, I felt bad all the time, but I didn't know that I could feel any other way. Yeah. And like, that's kind of the thing. Like the last couple of times that I've been sick, like when I had COVID, like I was like, okay, I know I'm going to be fine. Like I wasn't scared. I wasn't worried at any point. Like I was a little freaked out because I didn't want to give it to my parents because like I didn't know how like like or my grandmother or my uncle like you know older people in my life and like my neighbor like I've got two older neighbors on both sides like I don't want to give it to them because like none of them are in good shape (laughs) like right right you know it's like oh yeah the marathon runner he's gonna be somewhat better off but like you know it was just such a like I was never scared of it, but like the last time, like I got like a cold or something like that, I was like, "This is it. This is how I'm gonna feel for the rest of my life." <laughs> it's like you, you know, like when you get like a cold and you're yeah, just like, yeah. "I don't remember like, what it's yeah. like to feel good anymore." Yeah. Well, you know, this this happens because you know I've I've got a very stuffy nose most of the time because I'm I'm yeah. allergic to everything and uh, don't take allergy medicine anymore. But um, once in a while, there'll be like a day or whatever when like my sinus is clear. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this feels so much better. Yeah. Why, why don't I work at making this the like my standard or whatever? And then it comes back, and I'm just like, man, eh, this is just the way it is. But <laughs> <laughs> like, this is such a mild inconvenience that I'm not willing to have completely. Re- it's it's like you and you and my wife. Like the most terrifying things that you guys would tell me because you're both our glasses wearers and my, my wife yeah. has a much stronger prescription than you do. That's true. And it's yeah. like sitting there at Kelly's and you know, it, it's a magnifying fear because I've been drinking and you both are like, yeah, I don't get new glasses until like, I can't like really read the signs at night. And you're just like, I just don't drive at night. Cause like, I can't read yeah. the signs anyway. And I'm just sitting yeah, well, there I going do. like I have one. Yeah. One of my eyes does not, uh, adjusts very well to the dark it takes a while to adjust and if yeah. i'm driving under a lot of street lights then it won't it it'll it takes forever to adjust so i'll just usually close that one until it adjusts and then or just not drive at night yeah and like that's utterly baffling to me because like i don't have that problem and i'm like i would be at the doctor every day going like you got to fix this <laughs> like, <laughs> well, yeah, you get used to it i guess well, and that's the thing is yeah. like my response is completely impractical because I literally don't have that problem. Like I don't like I, I do notice now and I don't know if it's like I'm just not taking as good a care of myself as I could be. So like my pros- brain processing power is down or like my vision is getting slightly worse where like stuff like I know I used to be able to be like, yeah, I can definitely read that from this distance. Yeah. Now I'm kind of like, I think this is what it says, 
but I don't have that 100% confidence that I used to have. Right. And that's kind of one of those things where I'm like, how much of this is me wanting to have something actually go wrong? Like from a mental, you know, like talking myself into it and all that stuff. So it's, it's one of those things where I'm just like, huh, is this actually a problem? Or like, uh, like I basically just, you know, me, like I don't shave if I don't have to basically. And like when I get a haircut, like I'll get a straight razor shave. And uh, if I don't have to shave before from work. So like, I think we like, finally I've seen like one or two white hairs in my beard and my beard is like, I've got brown hair like on my head, but like my beard's got red and blonde and like brown in it. But I think I found two white hairs on both sides. (laughs) Uh, Like other than that, I don't really have gray hair. You haven't seen you haven't hair. seen me yeah. you haven't seen me in a year. My my goatee is very quickly going gray, and I'm getting yeah. I'm getting like this temple. My temples are starting to turn gray. I don't even have kids. I'm yeah, you guys start <laughs> you guys start taking some NMM, man. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's what I hear. Is that supposed to be, like I don't know what it is. Like the the beard going gray as fast as it is is kind of weird, but it's called MN, MNN. Maybe I will get that. Yeah. N M N. Yeah. N-M-N. Or N A D plus. N A D. Like they're both plus. Like, so basically, like N A D is like, so they used to think like the liquid in between the organelles in a cell yeah. was kind of like didn't matter. And I'm not saying that this stuff is exactly what all that stuff is, but basically it's in part that stuff. So, like, you know, you're uh, not your not the you know like the longevity researcher that you really like oh david uh david whatever his last name is yeah yeah uh, yeah like so yeah there's the australian one at like a uh, harvard yeah, the, or like a, yeah that's david yeah that's david what's his name and the other guy at oxford is uh aubrey de gray yeah so like, he's uh, looks like a wizard yeah the david guy is really into nmm and like, oh, interesting. Okay. Does that stuff. So, or like NAD plus, and basically like it, it's the, like it for like when your cells divide and like your DNA, like goes all stringy and splits out, this mm-hmm. helps it coil back together correctly. And that's where a lot of the cancers and stuff like that happen. And so like this stuff is in part part of that so it mm. just basically helps keep your cells like a little regenerated and like again may not do anything <laughs> but yeah well exactly. it's uh it's pretty expensive so it's you know worth it unless it, i mean it could kill me i guess but you yeah. know <laughs> uh Good. worth the try i guess i'll, yeah. try, I'll, I'll, I'll grab it i'll grab it because I, I do kind of oh yeah this is uh uh nika nika cinnamonina died or whatever i i did used to take this <laughs> Yeah. I don't know how to say it, but I know what it's, I know what it's called. Yeah. Uh, but all right, we've got time to either do the article or to do my conversation prompt for the next well, five minutes or so. Let's do the article. Cause I'm pretty sure the conversation prompt will lead to more diatribing. <laughs> That's probably true. Okay. So this is something that, uh, I shared it with you earlier. So, so, you know, but the listeners don't know, this is something we've talked about several times during this whole COVID situation is, the uh, the bottom falling out basically of the champagne market. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of that is, for those of you who don't know, is the French don't really drink champagne. Uh, and 
much of Europe doesn't drink champagne. It's more of a American, British, and now Chinese and Japanese product. Uh, or well, it's made for those markets. It's made for mainly export for celebrations because for British and British related places like Japan and, and now China, it's kind of become synonymous with uh, celebration in those cultures. Uh, the French, you know, as we've discussed, uh, that bubbles in wine was considered a fault back when champagne mm-hmm. first was being developed. And then the British invented the mass market or mass, uh, the, the uh, champagne bottle industry, basically how they could make those very thick bottles to contain mm-hmm. the sparklingness. And so that became kind of an export thing. So, but anyways, during COVID, obviously very few celebrations going on. And that basically, uh, really, really hurt that market. And they got tons of subsidies from the government. They wanted more subsidies from the government. But long story short, it looks like this year sales are coming back. And the title of the article, this is by Tyler Durden. So of course, it's from Zero Hedge. Uh, is uh, It says, uh, premature cork popping, champagne sales soar to record in 2021, despite COVID chaos. And to kind of sum this up, it's basically just saying, uh, people are buying a ton of champagne right now and they're kind of, what's interesting about it, that one of the things that they pointed out in the article was that uh, due to, I guess, the lack of celebrations for the last two years, ev- at this point, everybody is looking to celebrate every single very minor thing. And so <laughs> they're just like, okay, we're going to celebrate. Oh, oh you, you stubbed your toe celebration. Oh, you know, we, you finished cutting the grass celebrate or what, you know, all yeah, those types we, of things. We, like we went to, we went, Back to phase two from phase three to, you know, celebrate. Right. Yeah. <laughs> celebrate. Yeah. yeah. Let's just do it or what, you know. So they're showing that basically uh, they've got a couple of charts on this, which I thought were kind of interesting, but uh, obviously the Great Britain and the U.S. are the, are the main consumers of champagne, but also Japan is a large consumer of champagne. Uh, and then actually this was interesting to me that Germany was uh, the fourth largest consumer on this chart because they do produce their own type of sparkling wine uh, Mm -hmm. and also they're right next to Italy. And so I would think that maybe Prosecco or something like that would be more along their sparkling wine taste, but apparently that's not the case. Well, you know, Um, what would be really interesting is to see the, just the, how many barrels of champagne are produced compared to how many barrels of Prosecco. Like that would be actually really interesting. I I just don't think like the volume metrics are there for Prosecco. Yeah. I mean, because champagne definitely has that prestige factor, at least for Mm -hmm. Americans. Uh, And, and my guess is because one of America's largest exports is our culture. Uh, And so that kind of permeates all societies. I know that like in Eastern Europe, for example, they do a lot of sparkling wine consumption because it's in American movies. Mm hmm. And because they do produce their own wines and stuff like that, that are, and we've tried several of them on the show, but they, as far as I know, they don't produce any sparkling, or I'm sure they do now, probably forced carb, but uh, that's not really part of that culture for celebration. Whereas it is so integrated into the American pop culture for export, all of our movies, mm-hmm. uh, anytime a ship is launched, anytime any sort of kind of major christening or something happens it's they open a bottle of champagne or some sort of sparkling wine and um 
So it, that's sort of all kind of exporting everywhere. So I, I guess it kind of makes sense that a lot of places have it. And, just, and it makes sense for Japan because it was basically under control of the U.S. for a long time. They also, when they were modernizing, they adopted a lot of British practices. So I could see champagne being kind of part of that. But uh, for the champagne region, they're saying this is it, this is very exciting for them because it's been a very hard two years and uh, they're you know ready to keep churning stuff out. But as the article kind of summarizes, the question is, what will the new year bring? Are we are we going to go back into these draconian lockdowns as it appears that Europe is doing right now over what I think you and I would say is um, to be nice and abundance of caution to be mean retardedness. Uh, <laughs> so, but where like, are we going to enter this constant, this constant? Well, and you know what? We, we talked about this too before. We're like, really since 2016, we've kind of felt like we're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like there's just some sort of like extreme tension that is just never released. There's just always this sort of like political tension going on. And you know, I like, don't, I don't recall it being that, bad before but it also could just be my own perception well like remember like remember in 08 it always felt like the other shoe was gonna fall you know what i mean like the you know like the other economic shoe kind of well like something it always felt like the like the housing crisis because you know it's like another one of those things like you were saying like you can step outside and it's not like three of your neighbors are literally dead on the lawn. It's not like right. the stand where just like everybody's dying around you. Um, it's like people are dying locked away in little holes. You know, people are killing themselves. Like it's not like your neighbors are out playing around and then like, you know, they sneeze and then they hack and then just fall over. Like, right. you know, that does happen, but it's like Bill was, you know, 350 pounds and, you know, 30, you know, 85 and never exercise. And he had a stroke. It's like, well, that sure. happens. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, he was outside running for the first time in 30 years, but like right. that sort of thing where it's like the same thing, like with the housing crisis, it's not like you stepped outside and like the Luftwaffe could be strafing the street. Not that like the U S has really ever, like we had that in the civil war. We had that war in 1812. We had that in places right. during the revolutionary war. Like that has happened. And like, you know, U S government's done it to native Americans and like what, like the people of Waco, like, Oh, you know, it happens sure. in the U S but it's right. not like, Hey, France, like getting destroyed yet again. <laughs> like, here right. you go. Yeah, like the Germans bombed their way through. And now the U S is bombing its way through. Like, Right there, you're, you know, we're, so it always felt like something else was coming. And it, like, this is kind of like what's happened since, like, I would say Trump became the front runner. It's right. like, what new thing are they going to try to put forward that really isn't a thing, but may matter? Like, you know, right. Like the, like, oh, let's yeah. say that like the steel dossier had even been one fourth true right that could be you know that's a big thing and like it was clearly bullshit but like yeah to, you know like i could see somebody like at the fbi like if you believe in the fbi like sitting down and going like okay do we have any chatter that backs this up okay we have nothing okay like let's put this through another sniff test hey guys do you see anything like you could see somebody doing that right and like that'd be incredible but like 
ever since then it's like, oh yeah, like, you know, like, you know, how many people were, it was basically like the winter, late winter of, uh, 20. It's like, didn't we think like Northern Italy was going to be a ghost town? Like everybody was going to die in Northern Italy. That's what a lot of people were saying. Yeah. And then there was was also, but that, see, I think that's one of the glories though of the internet is that there was people in Northern Italy going, yeah, I mean, I know there's old people at the hospital getting sick and dying, but like, look outside, like the world is going on. Like there's still people here doing stuff. Like it's not like, yeah. And, you know, like, you know what? Yeah. You know, kind of uh, in two thousand, you know, the two thousand eight thing. There, there was. I do remember, sort of. I wouldn't say it was a wake up call exactly, but some me going, "Oh yeah, I guess things are." Because you know, we were a little bit insulated in Hampton Roads because it's a military mm-hmm. town, so there's still a demand for houses. But when I went down to Jacksonville, uh, when when uh, Will was working for our well, my old company, your current company, and. Uh, I remember going to his house and he lived in a neighborhood that had been basically 100% foreclosed. And he lived in a house and there was like three or four other people in a huge subdivision. Yeah. And it was, it, it was weird. I mean, it was definitely kind of like a strange thing. It was like an entire subdivision that was just empty and it really felt odd. And I kind of remember going like, Oh, okay. So this is what the whole 2008 thing was about. It was about these basically ghost neighborhoods where the neighborhoods are brand new. Everything is still kept up. Like the landscaping and everything was done. It's just that every single house had a for sale sign on it. And it was yeah. just odd. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is like, you know, the, like the Russians might be invading Ukraine or like China is going to take Taiwan. And it's like, it's not that those things aren't, geopolitically significant in themselves right like if if russia started a war with ukraine like ukraine is it's not like it's they're taking over bella belarus where it's like eight million people there's like like isn't it like 30 million people in ukraine or something like that and like all of russia is like 100 million and it's like well yeah i mean it's i think ukraine's 45 million yeah. And uh but the the other the other well, I mean it's a complicated situation, but it well like it's it's also not like all of those people are Ukrainians. That's the well, other kind of thing that's weird about but it. But that's what I'm saying is like passport holding. That, that yeah, yeah. like not ethnically just passport holding Ukrainians, whether they want right. to be part of Russia or not, whether they would just be okay going like it beats like the clown show in Kiev. Right, you know, exactly. Either way. But it's like yeah, that would not be a geopolitically stabilizing event. Right. And the same thing with the Chinese, like taking Taiwan. It's not a geopolitically stabilizing event. Right. But is it an event that somehow threatens our life? Right. The A war in Taiwan would significantly hurt the global economy from a microchip standpoint. Yeah. Nobody has the capacity that Taiwan does. Right. Nor the expertise that they do. So, like, yes, that would be dangerous. But it's not like it's them invading Hawaii, where it's like, yeah, this is straight up US flag territory. Right. And Ukraine, like, we were 
like actively overthrew their government a while ago. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, actually, I think I mean since since two thousand twice, yeah. the United States has been involved in 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 their government being overthrown. Yeah, so I mean so it's we, like so it's like okay, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not happy about it. I guess or like it, I, I don't. I would prefer the U.S. not to be involved, but it's also kind of like well, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, it kind of is, but yeah, uh, but like you know, at least with like Hitler you can kind of look back and go, yeah, he was really not a good guy. Like he may have done some good things at some points, but the final solution really gross. Not that it was somehow any better that we supported Stalin, but like, at least with like Hitler, you're kind of like, well, he did stop being in charge. Whereas like, you know, even in like Ukraine now, it's like, okay, so they're not actively murdering thousands of people in the countryside. Right. And Putin's not doing actively murdering thousands of people in the countryside either. But Cuomo was. Right. Actively yeah. killing his own citizens. Right. <laughs> and we're like, oh, yeah. You know, he may get a uh, trouble for sexual misconduct. It's like, mm, pretty sure he should go to jail for the rest of his life. So. Right. And, and maybe he will. I, I, I doubt it, but. Uh, One can hope. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, you know, I was I was kind of surprised at how quickly all that sort of turned around. But I also think that there is some, uh, I guess, mask slippage or whatever, where enough of the regular people are kind of starting to go okay, you guys are kind of pieces of shit. And well, I, I think we're at that point where I don't think any of them thought they would get away with it as long as they have so far. But also we're at that point where like, you know, like we were talking about like the Davos group and like, you know, the great reset and like how, like I was kind of like, Somebody may have triggered it, but like they didn't have enough oars basically pulling in the right direction at this point. Yeah. I think I think the establishment politicians are kind of at that point where like they're sick of each other. So it's kind of like that could be, you know, like one of the things that like, you know, Michael Malice will point out about a lot about the United States is like, you know, there's two major political parties. There's two minor parties like in the Libertarian Party and the Green Party. But like in like the Danish parliament or whatever, you know, there's like seven and it's all coalition and it's all like these weird niche parties. It's not like the ultra far right, you know, like America first only. And then, you know, like the NRA, it's like they're just these weird shades of each other's, but it's like this party's for old people and this party's for dogs, but everything else they agree on. It's just, you know. And so, like, I think that's kind of the thing where you're, like, at this point where they're just, like, they would have, like, they always stab each other in the back like this. It's just way more out front and center because they've been working together for so long. It's kind of like, oh, no, no, no. Like, we've been wanting to get rid of Cuomo for a while. But he was the savior of COVID because that was anti-Trump. Well, right. now that that yeah. has no thing, it's like, yeah, we're we're getting rid of this idiot. <laughs> like, 
he's a liability. We were going to get rid of him a while ago because he clearly, you know, couldn't, we couldn't get, we couldn't get him running as a presidential candidate. We don't know how he got Biden through. And uh, Kamala is, it's not like, you know, like I could get like if Biden was like the senior elder statesman and like, you know, Obama, it like Kamala was like an Obama figure where it's like, but like willing to play their time. It's like, no, 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 right. no. Like I'll be vice president. This person's going to need a lot of help. I'll be out there like rallying the troops to all the causes and going out to the different congressmen and like, you know, really just being out and, and talking. It's like, no, she's a garbage person doing yeah. garbage stuff and no one likes her. So, it, it, you know, it's like, they're just at this point of like their coalition doesn't work and the Republicans don't have anything else. Right. Yeah. It's like, you've got Trump, you've got Mitch McConnell, and that's it on the GOP. Yeah. I, mean, I guess it's Santos if, if he uh, decides to go national. Yeah. But that's the thing is like, he's not national. No. Like from like a, like across the GOP perspective, it's those two and that's right. it. <laughs> so, but I got to head to the shower in bed. All right, man. So, yeah. All right. Well, good talking to you. Yes. Sir. I hope the listeners enjoyed this riveting conversation. <laughs> and uh, until next time, stay free. Stay free, everybody.